I first got interested in this story when we were in Indonesia with Janet Yellen, and they sent us her prepared remarks, a, a keynote address she was giving about currency uh, manipulation. And I read the speech, and I looked to the other reporters, and we're all kind of looking at each other being like, do you guys understand this? Because I don't. <laughs> Jeff Stein is the White House economics reporter for The Post, and he just got back from this trip through Asia with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Furthermore, factors like external borrowing constraints, export price stickiness, shallow markets, and other economic characteristics matter for how effective... You know, it had these really complicated references to export price stickiness in very sort of jargony macroeconomic terms. Emerging markets in low-income countries may, in some circumstances, benefit from capital flow management and foreign exchange intervention alongside monetary, fiscal, and macroprudential policies. As I got interested in the story, what I realized the speech was really about was the U.S. and Yellen beginning to grapple with this potential debt bomb that's about to go off in the developing world and what the U.S. will do um, when that moment comes. While the U.S. government is trying to fight inflation for Americans and lower prices here in the U.S., they're worried that these efforts are starting to have disastrous consequences for other countries, especially poor countries. These are countries that have taken out significant loans. And now, as U.S. interest rates go up, they might not be able to pay them back. Now we're on the precipice of a tsunami of debt slamming into dozens, if not hundreds, of countries with rising interest rates in the U.S. And that could have tremendous consequences, tremendous humanitarian impacts, tremendous impacts for hunger across the globe. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, July 25th. Today, we'll hear about the debt crisis that is looming for emerging economies. Because right now, all we in the U.S. are talking about is inflation and interest rates. We know that the U.S. government wants to cool inflation and bring down prices. So interest rates are going up. Mortgages and loans are becoming more expensive. And we'll all be hearing more of that on Wednesday, when the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates yet again. But what we aren't talking about is what's on the flip side of all of this. The people around the world who could be hurt because of higher American interest rates and because the American dollar has become so strong relative to other currencies. And according to our colleague Jeff, the potential consequences of all this could be huge. It was very clear from basically any, every interval of the trip, you know, we went to Japan, Indonesia, and South Korea. At every place um, we went, the impact of a stronger U.S. dollar is causing really enormous ripple effects through the global economy. Sometimes for, you know, wealthier nations like South Korea and Japan, those effects are, you know, manageable, but the effects potentially on the developing and emerging markets could be severe and, and potentially catastrophic. So explain a little bit more what's actually happening here, because I think from the perspective of Americans, I mean, we're seeing really high prices. We're seeing gas prices and grocery prices and, you know, everything is getting more expensive. But you're saying that we are actually at an advantage in some ways, that the U.S. dollar is stronger than other people's dollars, and that's causing a problem for them. We're heading into an extremely challenging period for the economies of really most of the world's. 
already a lot of these countries spent tremendous amounts, uh, unprecedented federal you know, government funds to deal with COVID. And then they got hit really hard by enormous global increases in the price of fuel and food, two of the most important staple commodities, of course. And now there's really a third threat on the horizon. And that threat is caused by Americans' effort to deal with the inflation that we have domestically because the price of dealing with inflation domestically is a stronger dollar and higher interest rates, and that will drive up the cost of borrowing for developing countries. Interesting. So there's like a tension here that even as the Federal Reserve and the American government is trying to make things easier for regular Americans, trying to bring down the prices of things that have gotten more expensive, that could have, I mean, from what you're describing, a catastrophic effect on the lives of people in other parts of the world. Right, exactly. The primary way that a lot of poor and developing countries demonstrate that they're sort of fiscally serious and ready for the world stage is that they borrow in the safest currency imaginable, which is dollars, and they incur government debt in assets that are measured in dollars. And so when the price of the dollar goes up, as it is, as the U.S. is trying to confront inflation, that's leading the cost of what what they have to spend to service the debt, to pay off their debt obligations, to avoid a crippling default. That goes up you know, very, very fast. And so that's the, the key spillover effect. Obviously, the Federal Reserve is trying to contain inflation domestically and deal with what has become an enormous problem for the country and millions of Americans in the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve. But the U.S. economy, there's this old saying, of course, that when um, uh, America the sneezes, sneeze thing, the, right? yeah, yeah, the world catches if, a if cold. It, yeah, if America sneezes, the world catches yeah. a cold. And um, it could be worse than a cold in, in this case. We're already seeing hunger has approximately doubled in the last year alone. And so these countries are starting off in a really bad place. And the last time we had, um, in the 80s, we had a huge increases in interest rate. Uh, we had a tremendous series of financial crises in the developing world. Maybe people remember the Asian financial crisis in the 80s and the Latin American debt crisis of the 80s. Those were tremendous shocks and steps backwards for significant numbers of people. So what economies are we talking about here? Um, and what, what countries is Janet Yellen in particular thinking about when she's trying to weigh the potential costs of bringing down inflation here in the U.S.? As you guys may have seen in the headlines last week, we had a horrific crisis in Sri Lanka where the government, under tremendous debt pressure, um, basically was overthrown by a popular revolt. And a lot of the economists I talked to say accurately and fairly that, you know, Sri Lanka has a lot of idiosyncratic factors that led it to that point. But at the same time, the stresses um, that are being caused by these broader macroeconomic factors are much more likely to lead those internal problems to, to the surface and, and to lead them to issues like what we saw in Sri Lanka. And we're already seeing Chad, Ethiopia, Zambia, lots of countries in Africa, lots of countries in Latin America in particular who are going to be really stressed by this move. And we don't really know exactly where the next Sri Lanka could be. And we it's probably not fair to say that the Fed in trying to contain inflation is causing it, but it certainly is going to make it more likely. I want to dive more into how American economic policy is having this effect, though. You, you talked about debt and how other countries, they um, take on debt or they borrow money in dollars. But unpack a little bit more what you mean by that. It's their repayment obligation, right? So like when you're trying to build an infrastructure project, right, you will get the money up front to spend on the infrastructure project. And then you'll say, get a 30-year loan that will be in dollars. So a super simplified example here is, let's say 
you have a house and you take a mortgage on it. And that means that every month you have to pay a certain amount. But let's say that that house and that mortgage you've purchased in dollars, in U.S. currency. But your income, for whatever reasons, for this example that we just came up with, your income is in pesos, which means that you have to convert the pesos to dollars before making your mortgage payment. And if the value of, let's say, you earn 100 pesos every year and your mortgage payment is $5 in U.S. currency, maybe that's, that's easy. You can make that work. But suddenly, let's say, the value of the U.S. dollar relative to the peso doubles. So you have to spend way more pesos, maybe twice as much, to make the same payment in U.S. dollars. And suddenly that becomes very difficult very quickly. After the break, why the U.S. is already pointing fingers at China for the looming debt crisis. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. So during her time in Asia, Janet Yellen talked a lot about ways the U.S. could help other countries deal with the ripple effects of U.S. economic policy. She signaled that the U.S. could be more lenient with countries that want to improve the value of their currencies. This is something that happens every now and then, and the U.S. normally sort of wags its finger because we're trying to avoid sort of globally a system in which countries are artificially manipulating the value of their currency. But there's also another big factor here that Janet Yellen does not have control over, and that's China. Chinese debt accounts for, you know, 10 to 15 percent of a lot of these debtor nations' loan portfolios. So, yeah, this is a pretty big deal. We heard over and over again from Janet Yellen that she and other officials at the IMF and European officials are adamant that China has to be willing to renegotiate many of the loans it gave, particularly to African countries that are facing serious stress. Chinese officials at this point have been very reluctant to, which makes sense, you know, take what investors will call a haircut or basically uh, a reduction in what they're owed, which, you know, obviously China wants to get repaid as much as it can. And and so how much would this pressure actually have an effect if the U.S. is saying China needs to be more lenient, especially if we're going to be more lenient? Like, does China care? <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the day, there's kind of a limited amount of leverage that the U.S. has, especially, you know, it has a lot of other asks from China geopolitically, and it's not clear how high this is up the U.S. priority list. The Chinese are saying, you know, these are loans made by private banks within China. The U.S. attitude is that there really are no private banks within China because it's such a government-centered economy. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, to be fair, it's not just the U.S. saying this. It's across the international community that there's clamor, as I mentioned, Chad, Zambia, Ethiopia, all have substantial amounts of Chinese debt and are heading for very scary situations that if they don't get renegotiated could could be problematic. When we talked to Treasury officials about this ahead of the G20, they said that their main case to China was that 
this was actually in China's self-interest because hmm. if China is not willing to renegotiate these debts, these countries could be headed for economic collapse, which would in turn severely reduce the odds that China gets repaid anything at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is, but it seems like a potentially legitimate argument that if you know these countries default and their economies go into a tailspin, their ability to repay the loans will be um, you know severely curtailed relative to if China is willing to take a haircut now. And I bet that's a logic that also applies to how the U.S. is approaching this, right? That this isn't just about hunger in other countries or government stability in other countries, but that, in fact, if other countries are going under or kind of collapsing under the weight of this debt, we also will have an economic effect from that. Like, that'll be bad for the U.S. economy, too. It'll be bad for the U.S. economy because, obviously, you know, we have exports and ship stuff to the rest of the world. And if the rest of the global economy goes into a recession, that's bad for us. But I also would bring this back just quickly to the war in Ukraine, where a huge part of the stress on these countries going into these interest rate hikes is that the war is causing such severe price shocks for commodities. And if we see major revolutions, populist uprisings as a result in part of the war, global support for the Ukrainians and the allies attempt to support the Ukrainians and impose an economic war on Russia, that could deteriorate. And what the U.S. definitely does not want to see is popular support for for this effort dry up. And the best way to do that is if we have you know massive revolts all over the world. So there's a, a geopolitical interest for the U.S. here as well in ensuring that that spillover effect is limited. I also wonder if there is a, a larger thinking or approach here from Janet Yellen and from the Biden administration. I mean, what we saw under the previous president it was very much a America first, our economy, our priority is to strengthen the American economy. And who cares if it comes at the cost of other economies in other parts of the world? And it feels like the way that Yellen is thinking about this is very different of like, we can't actually have an American first policy because we are intertwined with other people's economies, whether we realize it or not. Maybe that's true. But at this point, the Biden administration is rejecting calls from liberal House Democrats and the African Union to approve a a round of international aid that would primarily help uh, poor countries and African countries that say this aid is desperately needed. And and what is the rationale for not giving this money to potentially to poorer countries? I think it's twofold. Republicans say that this aid is unnecessary and could benefit America's geopolitical adversaries. I also think that the Biden administration may be wary of further stimulating global demand at a time at which we're trying to you know, tap the brakes on the economy and, and cool the amount of demand sloshing through global markets. So what do you think all of this says about, like, where the Biden administration is at when they're thinking about the economy and all the potential um, benefits and risks of the options that they have open to them? I would say even though I wrote a story that talks about Yellen grappling with this, at this point, this is pretty far down the administration's priority list. They are really laser focused on tamping down inflation for American consumers. And I think there's really good political and economic reasons for them to do that. That said, there's going to be massive byproducts, massive spillover effects, and the effect on poor nations is probably going to be one of them. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jeff Stein is the White House economics reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. 
Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Natalie Bettendorf and mixed by Ted Muldoon. It was edited by Maggie Penman. If you value the reporting you hear in this show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. That's the best way to support the work that we do. We'll share a link in our show notes, or you can just go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.